There comes a point when the right to vote requires a fight to vote. MSNBC Films presents Battleground Georgia, a story that explores the ugly history of voter suppression and how Georgia is leading the charge against it. Something has to change. The old South is being replaced by the new South. Battleground Georgia, part of the Turning Point documentary series from executive producer Trevor Noah. Sunday, May 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern on MSNBC. Good evening, everyone. We begin the readout tonight with breaking news, the newest filing in the $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit from Dominion Voting Systems against Fox has just been released. Now, we are still combing through it, but the more than 1,000-page filing already provides additional evidence that points to Fox's intentional disregard for the truth as it continued to spread Donald Trump's baseless claims that the 2020 election was stolen. And from the very top, we have Fox Corporation Chairman Rupert Murdoch admitting that Fox hosts actually endorsed it, asking, quote, was it wrong for Fox hosts to endorse these lies? Rupert Murdoch replied, quote, if they knew they were lies, yes, if they knew they were lies. And the filing does show that some of those hosts knew they were lies. In one of Tucker Carlson's private texts, an unknown individual asks him, do you think there's real evidence of significant voter fraud? Carlson replies, I don't think there is evidence of voter fraud that swung the election. There's info here and there showing fraud, but not the amount required to swing the election to Biden. Of course, you've never heard Tucker say that on air. You probably also haven't heard his true thoughts about Trump lawyer Sidney Powell who was leading the charge in the tinfoil hat brigade over the Dominion voting machine conspiracy theories. In texts and emails, he revealed that he knew that she was spouting lies. And in a newly revealed text, he said, quote, Sidney Powell is lying, effing B word. Nice. Also in the filing was an email from Murdoch to Fox News chief executive Suzanne Scott on January 21st, 2021, two weeks after the January 6th insurrection where he acknowledges Fox News's role in what happened. He writes, still getting mud thrown at us. Is it unarguable that high profile, it is, is it unarguable that high profile Fox voices fed the story that the election was stolen and that January 6th was an important chance to have the results overturned? Maybe Sean and Laura went too far. All very well for Sean to tell you he was in despair about Trump, but what did he tell his viewers? Now, keep in mind, there is now ample evidence that the anchors and executives at Fox did not believe the things that they were saying about a stolen and rigged 2020 election. We've seen that from the lawsuits past filings. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if some of them are even laughing at their viewers behind their backs, calling them suckers for believing what they hear on the network. There is also the reporting from the New York Times' Peter Baker describing the panic within the company right after the election when they appropriately and accurately called Arizona for Biden. The fear of angering and potentially losing their audience even had their supposed real journalists like Brett Baer and Martha McCollum suggesting that it was not enough to call a state based on numerical calculations, but that viewer reaction should be considered. In a Trump environment, Ms. McCollum said, the game is just very, very different. And those efforts to give their viewers what they want to hear, knowing that it's BS, has continued up to literally last night. The protesters were angry. They believed that the election they had just voted in had been unfairly conducted. And they were right. 
In retrospect, it is clear the 2020 election was a grave betrayal of American democracy. Given the facts that have since emerged about that election, no honest person can deny it. Joining me now is Aaron Blake, senior political reporter for The Washington Post, Katie Fang, MSNBC legal contributor and host of The Katie Fang Show on MSNBC, and Democratic strategist Kurt Bardella. Aaron, I have been scrolling as quickly as I can through your Twitter feed. It's faster than reading through this giant monster uh, filing. Give us the highlights. I guess they could also be called lowlights. Um, what do we learn from this filing that is new? Well, a lot of it is filling out details that Dominion has already focused in their briefs. Now, Dominion had an incentive to highlight the most important things that would help its legal case. And these are the exhibits that are filling out the picture. So we're seeing the full Rupert Murdoch deposition. We're seeing some of these internal text messages that are similar to what we saw before, but maybe provide a little bit more color kind of filling out the case. Um, I think what's clear from these texts and these emails and these depositions is that there was a lot of panic at Fox News after the election. They were not only worried about uh, about losing viewers to Newsmax and other conservative outlets that were promoting these things more than they were at the time, uh, but there was a lot of backbiting. There were people complaining about the news side, about the comms team, uh, effectively undermining them and, and spreading stories that didn't reflect well on the primetime hosts. And so that's, you know, we're dealing with a lot of materials here, but those are the first things that really stuck out to me. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're very kind in saying people. I mean, be careful if you have a group text that you uh, don't commit any crimes or, or get sued for libel, because there's apparently a group chat between Laura Ingraham, uh, Sean Hannity and Tucker, and they, you know, they chop it up about a lot of things. And one of the things they were doing, as you were saying, Aaron, is complaining that the news people and the polling people who they apparently despise and think despise them um, were undermining the story they were telling that they themselves knew was false. Let me read a, a couple of these other things, because there's also the Sidney Powell of it, Aaron. This is Sidney Powell communicating with Tucker Carlson. Um, on November 17, 2020, this is after the election. Sorry, just saw this. Believe I emailed you the affidavit earlier today. More evidence pouring in. Tucker then says to her, you keep telling our viewers that millions of votes were changed by software. I hope you will prove that very soon. You've convinced them that Trump will win. If you don't have conclusive evidence of fraud at that scale, it's cruel and reckless thing to keep saying. Except that they kept saying it. He kept saying it. And Katie, let me bring you in here, because the question I have is he's essentially warning Sidney Powell. You better bring some receipts because I'm putting you on my show and you're getting people's hopes up. Then he turns around, despite her never bringing said receipts, and he keeps saying the thing. Where does that leave Fox in terms of defamation? It leads you directly down the path towards the state of mind of the speaker, of the defamation. The idea that the person, when they're relaying the information, that they knew that it was false because you have to prove actual malice when you're Dominion voting and you're suing Fox News. It's just as important in terms of smoking gun evidence when you have these types of text messages, these chats, all of these emails evidencing that they knew or they recklessly disregarded the falsity of what was being put out and basically peddled to Fox News viewers. So when you're suing somebody for actual malice, somebody could say, hey, in good faith, I was reporting. It was newsworthy. You know, it was important to talk about a challenge to a 2020 presidential election. But what does Fox News in here is the fact that they maybe at some small measure of time thought, 
maybe this is not totally credible. But in the absence of the evidence that they kept on asking for, they still kept on pushing out the falsehoods. And that is the problem for Fox News when it comes to this particular litigation. And I just want to emphasize something, Joy. It may not necessarily get to a jury in April. A judge could readily find in just a couple of weeks on March 21st that Dominion has proved its burden as a matter of law. And the only thing left to determine is damages. Wow. That, that's interesting. I mean, look, uh, let me bring you in, Kurt. This is another text. This is between Sean Hannity and Laura Ingraham on Nor- on November 16th. This is the day uh, on November 16th, the day before the previous text that I read you. Hannity, a new branding campaign won't cut it. Frankly, uh, without Fox prime time, what does the country have? Ingraham, this is all veneer stuff to change the channel. It won't be sustainable for four years this way. Hannity, buckle up. People are headed away until after the new year. My first new rodeo, not my first rodeo. Numbers will crash. We should all think about how together we can force a change. The audience that exists comes for us. And that's in the group chat that also includes Tucker Carlson, um, in which they're making it very clear that they know, Kurt, that what they're saying on each of their primetime shows is BS. But what they're actually angry about is that the news people and the polling people are refuting what they're saying. So they're making it very clear that they're their agenda and their goal is to keep the money flowing in and the stock price up and to keep Newsmax and other competitors from being competitive, but never in these group texts. When they're just talking to themselves and don't know what will come out, do they ever say, we think the election was stolen? Yeah, isn't it inconvenient, Joy, when the facts get in the way of propaganda, which is exactly what they are confronting on that chat? I mean, let's be very clear here. These people knowingly chose ratings over our republic. Uh, you know, they've made a conscious decision time and again, even, uh, you know, to the present moment in time to continue airing baseless conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, they are as much responsible for what happened on January 6th as Donald Trump, in my opinion. When you read all of these, you know, texts that are coming to light and, and the depositions that have just been published, uh, I don't, you know, any sane minded person comes to the conclusion that Fox and Rupert Murdoch represent a clear and present danger to American democracy. That in spite of knowing all the facts, knowing the truth, knowing there wasn't a shred of evidence from any corner of any of the crazy people they were putting on television, exposing them to millions of people, they knew the entire time that it was all BS. And yet they continue to traffic in that to this very day, at this very moment, on this very evening, they will be doing that. And I think it's all time that everybody involved in politics, in media, and our country start thinking about how we talk about Fox, because I'm not going to say Fox News anymore, because they're not a news organization. No news organization in America functions this way. No news organization in America knowingly goes out there to lie and mislead their audience, and in fact, to try to harm the institution of American democracy. Fox is nothing more than a Republican super PAC, and it's time that we all treated and talked about them that way. We've made the same decision here on the show. We just call them Fox. I think that's more accurate. We're trying to be accurate here, Aaron. I think probably my favorite um, piece of evidence in this filing is the woman who said that the wind talks to her, um, that she was internally decapitated yet lives, and uh, that the late justice um, uh, of the Supreme Court, um, Scalia, was killed at Bohemian Grove uh, in a conspiracy And that was one of the sources that was used. I mean, you're a journalist. You have to use real sources. Um, That was one of the sources that was passed along to Maria Bartiromo. And she then used, I guess, that and Sidney Powell as sort of the basis for her show. Was there anything in this filing that you've read so far, you've read more of it than I have, that shows that any of the journalists, the primetime journalists particular, the primetime, not the journalists, the primetime hosts were seeking 
actual evidence that the election was stolen and doing anything other than simply just looking for bodies to put on to say that it was so? Well, I, I think if you look closely, you'll see, uh, and, and this was something that was actually done on the air when Tucker Carlson had Sidney Powell on his air. I believe that was November 19th, where he essentially isolated the fact that she didn't have evidence that she was promoting. Now, when, at, in the course of doing this, he was suggesting that her, uh, her, her complaints were serious or to be taken seriously, but he really did highlight the fact that she didn't have this evidence, and yet she continued to be uh, interviewed on some of these shows. She continued to be taken seriously uh, in a way that these filings show many in the organization, both hosts uh, and executives, understood that wasn't terribly serious. And so um, the fact that this was Tucker Carlson effectively calling that out, at least at one point, I think is a, is a pretty good uh, indicator of where things lied here. Yeah, can I could, let me go to you and ask you just real quick, Katie, when it comes to trying to figure out damages, I mean, obviously, if Dominion becomes synonymous in the minds of millions of people with stolen elections, that hurts their business, right? Because they're in the business sure. of selling voting equipment, et cetera. Um, is that the way that a judge, if they found for Dominion, would look at it, the lost potential business? Or is there a punitive sort of way that damages could go based on the fact that, look, this wasn't just hurting Dominion's brand? Um, there was an insurrection that happened that you can't you're not legally saying they're tied to it. But even Rupert Murdoch seems to admit that they were morally tied to it. So, so it's a great question. There's two ways of looking at the damages in this case. Dominion is seeking compensatory damages for its lost profits, for its loss of and the reputational harm, the loss to its reputation. We know for a fact, Joy, that certain um, electoral areas jurisdictionally, they're not using Dominion machines anymore. So they've lost that business. So that's an actual calculable loss for Dominion voting. The punitives is what I always emphasize in this case. $1.6 billion that Dominion's seeking is just for the compensatory damages. The punitives are not capped. And what is really telling about the punitives is the fact that if I'm Dominion, I point to Tucker Carlson, who was right now taking January 6th surveillance footage and pushing another lie over and over again that what happened on January 6th was a peaceful tourist visit to the United States Capitol. And the fact that he relentlessly pushes the big lie just shows from a punitive aspect that they don't care. Fox just doesn't care. And the thing that really is troubling is that it's not just Tucker and Laura and Sean and that whole little crew of cronies that are sitting there saying, you know what, we know it's not true, we're going to say it. Rupert Murdoch and the evidence says on January 5th, 2021, the day before January 6th, he says, stop the Trump myth that the election was stolen. It's the day before the insurrection, George. And he's yeah. the head honcho. He could have ordered a directive to say, you cannot push this information out anymore. And yet they still did. So if you're so looking at it as a judge or a juror, you're going to say, I'm going to hammer them. I'm going to make it so that they cannot do this ever again. It's fascinating. Uh, Aaron Blake, thank you for going through uh, all of that data. Uh, Katie Fang and Kurt Bardella, thank you both very much. Up next on The Readout. If you want to rip into Tucker Carlson for falsely depicting the January 6th assault on the Capitol as a peaceful gathering, well, get in line. The Capitol Police and Republican lawmakers are way ahead of you. The Readout continues after this. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, 
which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. If you thought that the Dominion lawsuit exposing Fox for lying to their viewers was going to give Tucker Carlson a change of heart and that maybe he'd start using his pretend news show to start telling the truth, well, think again. Because he was back at it last night, doing exactly what everyone with a brain expected that he would do with the exclusive access speaker and name only Kevin McCarthy gave him to 40,000 hours of January 6th footage. He cherry picked that footage to find little clips showing benign moments from that day and use those clips to continue lying about January 6th. Just never forget that Tucker, along with most of the people whose names you know at Fox, admitted under oath in the Dominion lawsuit in those depositions, that they never believed Trump's election lies. But Tucker and friends repeated them anyway, on air. Tucker added to that, producing a conspiracy theory documentary lying about the insurrection. And last night, he portrayed the sacking of our Capitol as nothing but a peaceful gathering. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists. They were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. That rather desperate attempt to own the libs, honestly, I don't think it was the own Tuckums thought it was. Not only do you have Republicans like North Carolina Senator Tom Tillis calling it BS, The Capitol Police chief released a statement tearing into Tucker, saying the segment was filled with offensive and misleading conclusions about the attack. But in a way, Tucker has done us all a service because his trip down the Soviet propaganda wormhole has led to actual journalists asking more questions about that day. There's a video that he played that shows the QAnon shaman Jacob Chansley in his face paint Halloween costume being led through the Capitol by police, which begs the question, Whatever happened to the cops who were seen taking selfies with insurrectionists? We know that six Capitol Police officers were disciplined after that day, but not what they were disciplined for. And since we actually can't hear the sound on that tape, we actually have no idea what those officers are saying to Chansley. Though we do know that the Capitol Police chief defended them in his letter today, saying that what they were doing was de-escalation. And because Tucker's not an actual journalist, and Fox isn't really a news network, His producers didn't bother to ask the Capitol Police to comment or get answers to those questions. And if this was the way those four hours went down, all peaceful-like, why did officers from other jurisdictions have to respond to the Capitol to help? Why did some of the peaceful tourists plant pipe bombs at Democratic and Republican headquarters? And why weren't Capitol Police better staffed and better prepared to face a violent mob that day when Trump and his people were literally tweeting that they were coming? Senator Ron Johnson, who ran with everybody else on January 6th, later lied, saying he didn't feel threatened because the mob was filled with Trump supporters. Well, 
Is that why Capitol Police weren't more prepared? Because we saw what happened in 2020 during the Black Lives Matter protests. The preparation was not the same. Also, we don't know this from that video. We don't know what time those scenes that he's playing took place. Where are the timestamps? Was it hour one? Because the whole insurrection lasted for four hours. That's why real news need work. Real news networks need to have those tapes, too. Because what Tucker's doing here is feeding his hardcore viewers their feelings-based beliefs about that day, knowing that many of them didn't watch the January 6th hearings and have probably never seen the raw footage of the violence. Just like after the election, he is doing what he has to do to keep them buying his supply while gaslighting everyone else. He's telling millions of people who did watch the live coverage that day and saw the cops getting crushed in doors and beaten by protesters with flagpoles. No, 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 you didn't actually see any of that. And the cops who got the crap beaten out of you, eh, that didn't really happen to you. But here's the thing, Tucker. We did see it. And guess what? We've got tapes, too. Oh, they got through the building. Hold. If we're moving, we need to move now. Happy. If we lose uh, any more time, we may have, we may lose the ability to, to leave. So if we're going to leave, we need to do it now. They've gained access to the second floor, and I've got public about five feet from me down here below. They are on the second floor, moving in now. We may want to consider getting out and leaving now. Copy. Second floor! I couldn't believe my eyes. There were officers on the ground, um, you know, they were bleeding, they were throwing up, they were, you know, they had, uh, I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. I remember like trying to retain my gun. I remember guys chanting, like kill him with his own gun. Um, so like, yeah, they, I was tased, uh, I think about a half dozen times on the back of my neck. I want to just get a snap of that. So, unless this was like a Westworld style simulation where the tourism is that you get to go wild on the police? That ain't peaceful. I mean, if it was peaceful, why were members of Congress in gas masks hiding in the chamber, hiding on the chamber floors, including Republican Congressman Andrew Clyde, who later pulled a fox and called the whole thing a normal tourist visit, despite there being pictures of him barricading the chamber door to keep the tourists from busting in. Remember the guy who broke into Speaker Pelosi's office and propped his feet on her desk? Does that normally come included with a Capitol tour? And if, if, if these people didn't do anything wrong, then why were more than a thousand of them arrested on charges related to the attack? And why have so many of them pleaded guilty to crimes and gone to prison for tourism? Again, Tucker testified under oath that he lies to his audience for money. Those were not sightseers. You weren't hallucinating. All of that violence really did happen. And pretending that it didn't is just straight up disrespectful to the men and women who risked their lives to save those lawmakers, Democrat and Republican that day, not to mention our democracy. 
Sergeant Aquilino Gonell, one of the officers who battled the mob that day, posted this picture captioned, my souvenir from the peaceful sightseeing mob in the family of Officer Brian Sicknick, who died as a result of the insurrection, issued a scathing statement asking, what will it take to silence the lies from people like Carlson? What will it take to convince people that the January 6th insurrection was very real, was very violent, and that the event was orchestrated by a man who is every bit as corrupt and evil as Vladimir Putin? The Sicknick family would love nothing more than to have Brian back with us and to resume our normal lives. Fictitious news outlets like Fox and its rabid followers would not allow that. Every time the pain of that day seems to have ebbed a bit, organizations like Fox rip our wounds wide open again. And we are frankly sick of it. Leave us the hell alone. After the break, I will get more reaction from two former members of the House Committee that investigated the January 6th attack. Representative Benny Thompson, who chaired that committee, and Congressman Jamie Raskin. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Fang. Did you know my weekly show on MSNBC is now available as a podcast? With my decades of experience as a trial lawyer, you'll get an insider's perspective on all things legal. At a time when politics and the law are inextricably intertwined, my guests and I break down what's next and why it matters, both inside and outside the courtroom. Search for The Katie Fang Show wherever you're listening and follow. Stay up to date on the biggest issues of the day with the MSNBC Daily Newsletter. Each morning, you'll get analysis by experts you trust, video highlights from your favorite shows. 2024 is now truly the most important election in the history of our country. Previews of our podcasts and documentaries, plus written perspectives from the newsmakers themselves, all sent directly to your inbox each morning. Get the best of MSNBC all in one place. Sign up for MSNBC Daily at MSNBC.com. All I know is that uh, there were, yeah, there were a lot of people uh, in the Capitol at the time who uh, I think um, were scared for their lives. So you can, you know, however you want to describe it, but it was, uh, it was an attack on the Capitol. I didn't listen to Tucker Carlson. I generally don't. But um, my recollection of the day is that it was not just some rowdy, peaceful protest of Boy Scouts breaking through glass windows and doors to get into the United States Capitol against the orders of police is is a crime. Tucker Carlson's rendition of what happened during the January 6th Capitol attack is so messed up. Even Republicans are calling him out for it. Joining me now are Congressman Benny Thompson and Congressman Jamie Raskin. Both sat on the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack. Congressman Thompson served as chairman. And I do want to start with you, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, it, it is it, it is uh, very distressing, I think, for Americans who experienced the uh, insurrection, just, uh, uh, you know, watching it on TV to see it lied about. I can only imagine it's much more upsetting for the two of you who experienced it firsthand in the Capitol. Uh, but I, I want to ask you, um, what do you think the potential damage and harm could be um, from misusing that footage the way that Tucker Carlson is doing? Well, thank you, Joy, for having me. First of all, it it brings in the question, the security of the Capitol. Uh, Tucker Carlson is the only person I know uh, who's trying to change what people have seen with their own eyes. Uh, you might not like it, uh, but it happened. Uh, as you know, we had 
44,000 hours of video uh, from every nook and cranny in the Capitol. And so what we showed uh, was actual product. Uh, we managed it. We made sure it was secure. And, and so the process that the committee used uh, is one that even Tucker Carlson shouldn't be able uh, to misidentify uh, or mischaracterize. But unfortunately, he is. And, and I, I will note again that this was a bipartisan commission. Uh, no, no less than Liz Cheney sat on this committee. Uh, she is not even a, a moderate Republican. She's a conservative Republican. So is Adam Kinzinger. Um, I want to read to you, uh, Chairman Thompson, what Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy said regarding giving that footage only to Tucker Carlson. Um, he says he does not regret the decision to release footage of the January 6th Capitol riot to Tucker Carlson, adding it was done in the name of transparency. What do you make of that? Well, why Tucker Carlson? Uh, here's somebody that promoted the big lie, who said, in essence, the election uh, was stolen, uh, even had evidence that it was not. But he kept promoting the lie. So now here is Tucker Carlson again promoting the lie uh, about the video. And he's saying to the public, what you see and have seen with your own eyes is really not what happened. Let Tucker Carlson tell you what really happened. But uh, I believe in the public. I believe in transparency. But transparency comes uh, with a process. The speaker uh, chose uh, Tucker Carlson. Uh, a number of networks, as you know, have asked for access to the video. To my knowledge, that's been denied. And as far as I know, there are no protocols in, in place to protect the security of the Capitol. And the worst thing, Joy, is the day it became public was the same day that the speaker started raising money uh, around the release of the video. Now, was it about raising money or was it transparency? Wow. Um, I'll leave that to the viewers to decide uh, the which seems more logical. Congressman Raskin, I want to bring you in and ask you the same question. You seem to have a reaction to Ke Kevin McCarthy's uh, statement that this was about transparency. Well, it was obviously about getting himself elected speaker because this was one of the things he gave away on the road to becoming speaker. And now he's aiding and abetting an absolute fraud against American democracy. I mean, we worked for a year and a half in a bipartisan way and we assembled a huge mass of indestructible evidence demonstrating exactly what happened based on more than 1,000 interviews, more than 100 subpoenas, more than a million documents, all in search of the truth. And we laid it out for the American people to see, and they couldn't lay a glove on any of it. And now they get 40,000 um, hours of um, Capitol Police footage turned over to one guy who already committed himself in the Patriot Purge mini documents, mini documentary series to the absurd idea that this was a false flag operation run by Antifa or renegade FBI agents. And we found no evidence for any of that. And then they take pot shots against this huge, incontrovertible, massive evidence. So as the, the good chairman just said, Tucker Carlson just showed his exact colors when he was exposed by Dominion Voting Systems in court. He knew that 
Courtney Powell, he knew Rudy Giuliani, knew Donald Trump, were completely lying about the election. They were ridiculing them. They were making fun of them behind the scenes. But then they went out on TV and they spread the lies. And now they're spreading the lies again. And it is scandalous and it's dangerous. And I'm glad that there are finally some Republicans standing up. And they do understand that this is the beginning of the Donald Trump um, you know, for president campaign, because there's no way Trump can get elected if people really reckon with the role that he had in inciting a violent insurrection against our Constitution. You know, I, I wasn't aware that the FBI did false flag operations that were also tourism uh, and also benign tourism. And Tucker Carlson has said both things with equal fervor. I, I just want to point out that in the 26 months since the attack, about a thousand people have been arrested. Uh, about a third of the defendants in these capital cases have been charged with assaulting, resisting or impeding police during the attack. More than 306 defendants have been charged with corruptly obstructing, influencing or impeding an official proceeding. About 518 individuals have pleaded guilty to federal charges. 420 defendants have been adjudicated and sentenced for their criminal activity. Um, and 220 have been sentenced to incarceration. And Congressman Raskin, um, and yet, do you know of any Republican members um, during the insurrection who walked out to meet these uh, tourists and talk to them at the time? Mm -hmm. I'd, have to, I'd have to go back and look at it. Certainly in people who were waving to them. The fascinating thing to me, Joy, is that they claim on the one hand that these were really Antifa and FBI agents, but on the other hand, they're trying to get them out of jail. Well, which is it? Why are they trying to get all of these Antifa imposters out of jail for waging war against the government um, for trying, trying to overthrow an election, which they apparently won? I mean, there's no logical coherence or order to anything that they're saying. And so we are in the realm of outlandish conspiracy theory and you know, it would be all right if it were just about them trying to stay on the Donald Trump bandwagon. But people are going to get hurt because these kinds of deranged lies lead people to commit violence. So I'm glad that there are finally some Republicans saying, whoa, we don't want to go here anymore. Enough with the lying. There's a difference between truth and lies. The whole court system is based on that. More than 40 federal and state courts render decisions rejecting their big lies about the election. And as you're saying, all of these people have been convicted and many of them have pleaded guilty to assaulting federal officers, trespass and committing seditious um, conspiracy against the republic. And my, my final question to you, uh, Chairman Thompson, do you have any concern that this, the access that this one person who, again, is a person who under oath admitted that he lied about his beliefs about the election? He's already admitted that in the Dominion lawsuit under oath. Um, this one person who also is a favorite um, of Vladimir Putin's Kremlin, um, that giving him this footage will actually put the Capitol at risk in a future election, oh, the future no January 6th, when we have to uh, certify the next election? Uh, well, there's no question it puts everyone in the Capitol, the visitors, the members of Congress, the employees, everyone. Uh, as you know, uh, as a visitor to the Capitol, it's a fairly secure facility. But there are also some things in that building uh, that we need to keep secret. Now, with Tucker Carlson having unfettered access to that information, it clearly puts every individual, 
they're at risk. You know, those 150 Capitol policemen who got hurt, uh, along with the, the brave men and women of the Metropolitan Police Department, all those individuals who put their lives on the line to defend uh, the United States Capitol during this insurrection, uh, it's absolutely unfathomable that the speaker would do this. But as as uh, Brother Raskin said, uh, it's what he had to do in order to become speaker. And now what he's saying to the public, uh, who are you going to believe, uh, me or your lying eyes? Well, I believe what the film says, it was, in fact, an insurrection. Yeah, indeed. And a violent and deadly one at that. Congressman Benny Thompson and Congressman Jamie Raskin. Thank you both very much. And up next, the Florida legislature begins a new session aimed at fulfilling Ron DeSantis's anti-woke wish list, setting the stage for his presidential bid. We'll talk with one of the outnumbered Democratic lawmakers doing everything they can to fight back. Stay with us. We have made Florida the nation's most desired destination, and we have produced historic results. But now's not the time to rest on our laurels. We have the opportunity and indeed the responsibility to swing for the fences so that we can ensure Florida remains number one. Don't worry about the chattering class. Ignore all the background noise. Keep the compass set to true north. We will stand strong. We will hold the line. We won't back down. And I can promise you this, you ain't seen nothing yet. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis opened a new session of the Florida legislature today, vowing to continue to use his power for political retribution. Republicans have a supermajority in the state legislature and are set to pass a full slate of repressive laws on the governor's wish list. If you're a teacher, you can't talk about gender identity with students from the third grade to the eighth grade. You are not allowed to use any pronoun except the one you were assigned at birth. Do you want to major or minor in gender studies in college? Well, not if Republicans get their way. They're considering legislation that would put a stop to that and any discussion of intersectionality at the college level and that would end any diversity, equity and inclusion programs. I guess if it ain't white, it ain't right in DeSantistan. School board positions would go from nonpartisan to partisan, clearly to benefit Republicans. Then there's the legislation that goes directly after journalists. Anonymous sources would be deemed inherently fake. Unsurprisingly, the law would also make it easier to sue journalists if politicians don't like what they report. There's a separate bill that would force anyone who writes about public figures and gets paid for it to register with the government, basically forcing people to get government permission to form an opinion. On abortion, the Republican legislature doesn't think the 15-week ban goes far enough. They now want control of women's bodies at six weeks before most women even know they're pregnant. The state also wants to make it a felony for a parent to drive their undocumented child to school. Punished with, you could be punished with up to five years in prison for doing so, or to so-called harbor an undocumented person, which, depending on how the law is interpreted, could literally just mean living with them. The legislature is easy, eager to clear DeSantis's path to the presidential nomination by silencing any opposing views or risking any unhelpful stories about him or them. And they're also covering all the right-wing primary culture war bases by allowing people to carry guns in Florida permit-free, which should be great news for school shooters, while ignoring actual crises like the exploding crises of housing affordability and insurers leaving the state. 
just in case you're wondering if this man actually cares about Florida at all. I mean, just look at his coming schedule. This week, DeSantis is taking his poorly reviewed book on tour to Alabama and Iowa. Joining me now is Florida State Representative Anna Eskamani. And thank you, Representative Eskamani, for being here. I can only imagine what it's like to be in the minority watching uh, what Republicans are doing. But is are they open about the fact that they're doing this in order to give DeSantis something to run for president on? Well, thanks so much for having me, Joy. And we're watching, but we're also fighting back. As you know, in Florida, we might be the minority, but we leverage every opportunity we have to call out the far right and to paint how extreme these actions really are. I really think Republicans are just blinded by power here in Florida, and they're going too far. You know, just today, they filed a six-week ban on abortion, something that Governor DeSantis didn't mention in his speech because he's too scared to talk about abortion. So, It's important for us to ensure that the American people understand that what is happening in Florida is not what you want to happen across the country if this man gets anywhere near the White House. Well, I mean, the thing is, having a supermajority enables him to get his whole wish list through. And I'm just going to put up just just some of the bills. There's the Don't Say Gay expansion. There's the ban on diversity and equity programs at public universities, partisan elections, you know, making bloggers register, you know, the immigration bills. It's this blizzard of legislation. And he then can go out and say, hey, look, I can do this for the country. Uh, Fabiola Santiago, um, who writes for the Miami Herald, said that um, they, Republicans, want whatever every dictator has. Total domination over what people think, whom they love, what they read, total political control over law and policy without organized opposition to offer an alternative. Floridians must wake up. But the reality is that wouldn't be the way it is in Washington, right? So he's sort of selling his base a false premise that he could do this in Washington. In Washington, you'd have the Senate and the House. Right. No, that's true. I mean, he's trying to out-Trump Trump, right, in every way that he can. What does worry me, though, is just the consolidation of power that he has seen in Florida, where we don't have checks and balances anymore. You know, the legislative branch has totally just been co-opted by the governor. Our judiciary, just like the federal Supreme Court, has now been co-opted by the right as well. And so I do worry that as we continue to move down this path, that the checks and balances just don't exist anymore. Because Republicans, just like we've seen the Trump effect, they're too scared to challenge someone like Trump because if they do, they will be primary. They'll be rejected. And we see that same type of mentality in Florida when it comes to DeSantis. And of course, you know, going up against Trump in a primary, very questionable if DeSantis could even survive that. But at the same time, the fact that we are navigating these extreme policies in Florida, we're the coal in the canary. We're the canary in the coal mine yeah. for the American people to give everyone a warning of, of what could happen if you don't stop DeSantis now. Yeah. Well, I mean, he'd be going up against somebody who doesn't have to have lifts in his shoes to appear taller than he is. I mean, look, the reality is, is that, you know, let me ask you this, because there is obviously a Senate and a House in the state of Florida, but you all are in a super minority. Um, is there anything available to Democrats in order to make sure that the percentage of the population, the, the state isn't 100 percent Republican, that people who don't want this and who don't want bigotry baked into the government to defend them? Yeah, such a great question, Joy. This has to be an inside-outside strategy. So we'll do what we can in the legislative chamber. I mean, I've spent hours today just working on amendments for different bad bills, trying to strategize with our colleagues, leveraging every rule we have to delay these bills, amend these bills, and hopefully destroy these bills. But we can't do it without the public. We can't do it without Floridians calling their lawmakers, coming to Tallahassee. I just hopped off a call 
for reproductive health that had more than 200 people attending. So the energy is there. We have to mobilize it in, in the direction to have an effect, which is why paying attention to state politics is so important. And we need every Floridian to wake up and realize what's at stake before we lose all of our collective freedoms and our rights. Has, has anyone that uh, didn't vote said to you, uh, Representative Eskamani, I wish I had? Yes, always. Especially young people who did not uh, realize there was a midterm or feel a motivation to vote in the midterm. Elections have consequences. And we're, we're, we're finding power in that pain to help folks get energized today. And in fact, through my voter registration organization, we're hosting youth organizing uh, boot camps to get more young people plugged in. Yeah. And, and we're, we let's lost our audio. I mean, this guy won because about 1.3 million people just stayed home. And this is what happens when Got you it. stay home. You get somebody like this who is clearly drunk with power and thinks he can get himself a federal upgrade. Um, Florida State Representative Anna Escamani, thank you so much. We'll be right back. That's tonight's readout. Thanks for watching. MSNBC is going to be live here all night. Today's news requires more facts. Palestinians and Israelis are blaming each other for the tragedy that has inflamed the region. More analysis. Most of the states with the worst rates of gun deaths are ones where Republicans control the state government. And more perspective. This is not just about women and pregnant people in Texas. This is about people across this country. The world's never been harder to understand. That's why it's never been more important to try. MSNBC. Understand more.